Welcome to the Leadership in Yoga podcast hosted by me, Shauna Kruger. And on this podcast, I'll be bringing you interviews with exceptional leaders in the yoga world alongside trainings and tips so you can experience true breakthroughs and help others do the same. Leadership and Yoga. Thank you for being here. I'm so happy you're here today. I'm really excited to chat with you about perfectionism and actually on that subject, you know, I have arrived finally to the point in my podcasting that I have headphones in and I'm actually listening to myself speak. And so it's a little bit of an odd experience. I feel it's always weird to hear your own voice. I'm pretty immune to it now when I listen to the recordings of the podcasts that I do and classes and things of that nature. But to hear it live is really weird. And I actually was just listening to a Joe Rogan podcast where he interviewed Mr. Beast. And if you don't know who Mr. Beast is, he's wildly famous, super popular YouTuber in a lot of ways, I would say fearless, at least that's the way that he comes across when he's speaking in front of the camera. But as he goes into this interview and he has to put on headphones and actually listen to his voice back in real time, he gets kind of weird about it and thinks it's such an odd experience. And so I feel very validated in the fact that this is a new experience for me. But nonetheless, we're here, we're moving forward, coming up on one year of the podcast this month. And so I'm incredibly stoked. Actually, you know what? I think it's this week. When this podcast goes live, it'll be the one-year celebration. So little round of applause if you've been here. Maybe you're new, maybe you're not. But anyways, one-year birthday of leadership and yoga. How awesome is that? <laughs> oh man, I can't believe it's already been that much time. But anyways, what I'm here to talk to you about today is this idea that perfectionism can actually be channeled to something that is really productive and it can also really help us relieve the sense of anxiety that perfectionism gives us when we don't have control over it. And what I mean to say by all of this is that perfectionism in itself is not necessarily a negative thing. It actually can lead to incredible feats. It's just that generally speaking, it seems to be spread way too widely. And this is a phenomenon that is across cultures, across age groups, across extroverts, introverts. And so even if you don't really consider yourself to be someone who struggles specifically with perfectionism, if you struggle with things like procrastination, you might actually secretly be struggling with perfectionism. And so We'll get into all of that later, but I want to tell you that I kind of had this breakthrough as I was walking back from class after my soar last week and crossing the big field there in Capitol Hill and watching all of the dogs play. And it was absolute chaos, but at the same time, it was so cute. And I don't know what happened, but I had this moment of clarity as sometimes happens to me after class. It doesn't always happen, and you can never predict when it's going to, but when it does happen, it always feels so profound. And I had this thought that, you know, what's happening is that when I'm struggling, I'm not channeling the energy of perfectionism in a productive way. What I'm doing in those moments is letting perfectionism be spread too widely across every area of my life. And when that happens, it becomes anxiety. And so really what I did is I just took out my, my phone and I wrote down exactly this. I'll read it to you again. Channel the energy of perfectionism. 
because perfectionism spread too widely becomes anxiety. And I don't know, again, exactly where that came from, if there was an influence behind it, but to me, it was something that popped into my head and made so much sense in that moment. And I thought, you know what, this is a perfect topic to talk about. So I'm going to be discussing today everything from, you know, how having things too perfect in your life actually stunts your growth and not to be negative, but hopefully to reframe how you think about perfectionism. I'm also going to be sharing with you four keys to redirecting perfectionism so that you can experience more peace and also more progress. And finally, uh, the big share that I'm going to have for you in story form is a moment during a race, a cross-country race actually, when I used to run a long distance in high school, but a moment during the race that is burned into my mind. And it's really a moment that I realized that my need for perfectionism had gone way too far. It had hurt a friendship and ultimately held me back from reaching my true potential. So make sure and stay tuned for that share that'll be coming up later in the episode. As a quick reminder before we get into today's topic and the rest of our show, next week I'm going to be providing a step-by-step on how to host a retreat. If you tuned in last week, you know that I did a little retreat recap with Katie and y'all are loving it. You're reaching out, you're wanting information on hosting your own retreat, you're wanting to know when we're going back and so all of that is coming but I just wanted us to have a nice little break from not getting overwhelmed by only talking about retreats. So coming up next week, again, that's step-by-step on how to host a yoga retreat, everything from launching, lessons learned, what to watch out for, and this can all really be applied to any other form of retreat that you are potentially looking to host. And to make sure that you don't miss it, please take a moment right now and subscribe to my podcast if you have not already. And also rate it and share it, please. As a side note, you know that my podcast is entirely sponsored only by my own business. And so if you could take a moment and share the podcast with someone else you think might enjoy it, that would be a wonderful way for you to continue to support the podcast. And another note on retreats, kind of a fun fact that I realized as I was sitting down to record today is that in my last retreat in Costa Rica, in Montezuma, the one before Rio Chiripo, my goal that I wrote down was to write a book and because I also do the activities and every everything that I'm leading in the breakout sessions I also take the time to reflect on on myself because I feel like it's a really powerful moment to set those intentions and by the time that the October retreat rolled around just the second retreat that I've hosted and I had that journal in hand that essentially book that Katie and I had written and you know it's not as long as a book but still there each month has a long form share and so it was really cool and I didn't even realize that this had really happened but that during that time between retreats we actually wrote the entire journal proofed it edited it sent it away to be printed gathered it and then distributed it to the attendees at the retreat so 
The attendees of the 2023 Rio Chiripo retreat are the first and only group to receive the original edition of those journals, but they are going to be launching to the general public this month. Make a great gift. You can pre-order them. All of that information is coming soon. If you're super excited about it, DM me journal with a bunch of exclamation points, and I'll make sure that you're on the top of the list for those pre-orders. And if you're also interested in joining us at our next retreat in Rio Chiripo in May 2024, stay tuned. You know, we're bringing this location back by popular demand with completely rebuilt programming. If you listen to the last podcast on the retreat recap, you'll know that we weren't sure if we were going to be upgraded to first class or not on the way back. Well, more like we didn't trust that we were actually going to get it because on the way there, we were also randomly upgraded to first class and that flight ended up being canceled. But as an update, yes, we were upgraded to first class. And so on our way back, it was really, really nice having dinner. And Katie and I quite literally spent probably five hours on the way back from the flight between Miami and Seattle, just with a bunch of ideas downloading into our brain of all of the programming and ideas that we have and we're ready and excited to launch for our next retreat and I'm holding my tongue right now so I'm not going to say anything more but we are certainly about to shake things up so DM me retreat as well to get a copy of the info packet before it launches to the general public if that is something that you are interested in. And one more little note here. Some of you know, if you've been hanging around this podcast for a while, that I do quite a bit of coaching work. I'm very, very passionate about the coaching world, have always had coaches myself, and currently enjoy coaching folks off of the mat. And I'm opening up a few additional spots in my one-on-one coaching practice, self-leadership and yoga. So if you are looking to actually experience the changes and the impact of your yoga practice in a way that you might not be able to do so in the studio setting or with what you're currently doing. If you're looking to take that next step and have some guidance, some accountability, that could be a great program for you. You can head to my website, shaunacrew.com, and you'll find all of the information on self-leadership and yoga there. And if you're a yoga instructor, cohort two is about halfway full for Off the Mat Mastery. We'll be launching next year, early next year. And this is something that's usually invite only, so you won't even see it posted on my Instagram yet. It has not been. But if you are interested now, again, send me a DM and I'll provide you with the info packet before it goes out live. I've mentioned this before, but I feel like podcasts are for my close friends. I feel like it's such a different experience. And so if you're here listening um, and you've been tuning in, I'm happy to have you apply for that program. Alrighty, so let's take a little journey in time back to earlier in the day before I had my moment of clarity after class. And let me set the scene. So I was walking into Mysore, I've been in a routine since I've been back from Europe and also from Costa Rica of going nearly every day. And some days, you know, it's a little bit of mind over matter. I don't wake up every single day super excited to go into practice, especially in the moments like what I'm having right now, which is like, There's parts of my body that I know need to rest, otherwise they will become injured. And so as much as I enjoy pushing myself, I've been dialing it back and that for some reason 
leads to me feeling a little bit less excited about practice because I know that it's going to be an easier day. And so it was kind of just mind over matter, bringing myself in. And I was feeling anxious, to be honest with you. So I decide I'm going to do meditation before I get into my actual physical practice. And I sit down, close my eyes, and begin to try to focus on releasing the voice inside my head. And of course, I'm feeling all of these kind of little bits of aches and pains in my body and kind of like frustration with myself for again pushing because I push really hard you know in my practice and I closed down my eyes and I kid you not I heard just in my head like a booming version of Joe Dispenza's voice like the mind is capable of healing the body and then I hear my own voice as if in reply you're being negative and you are in a downward spiral. Why did you stop wearing your retainer? Your front tooth is looking slightly crooked. It's crooked and your back, your back is hurting. What are you doing here? You are lazy. Focus on your meditation and it will soothe you. Your meditation will soothe you. But first, solve this math problem of how many classes would your maximum capacity allow you to teach in a year if you increase your coaching practice time by 20%? Am I losing my ability to do mental math? Do I remember what a square root does? <laughs> so I'm not kidding you. I honestly almost just had to laugh because I realized that I had gone all the way from just hearing in my mind, I don't know, some piece of a guided meditation I've done at some point with Joe Dispenza because I used to do those a lot to being worried about the fact that I really couldn't remember exactly how to solve for square root. <laughs> and, you know, in these moments, it's like, it's such a reminder that that is the work. Like your ability to sit down and to break the cycle is where everything begins. And so it's kind of like that feeling when you're tossing and turning at night, when you just can't get comfortable and you keep moving and you know that if you could just stay still and kind of break that twitchiness that's driving you to toss and turn, that you would probably be able to get to sleep. And I think that your mind can really feel like that. Your mind, at least mine, goes through these phases where it's tossing and turning. But eventually, as I sat there and I, I continued, after a little chuckle, I, I really think I actually kind of smiled and laughed once I realized that I had just immediately gotten on this crazy thought train, departed from the station of anything that made sense and gone down this rabbit hole. But I had this little chuckle and then I didn't give up. I didn't open my eyes and think, oh, this is so annoying. Like, you're so annoying. Like, why can't you just be better? Like, you've been meditating for years now and this this is what you have to show for it. You know, instead of continuing that downward spiral, I just resisted. I came back and the mind releases. It releases its addiction to the problem solving, the running sort of mindset. And that's exactly what happened to me that day. Looking back at it in retrospect, I really think that this is just a reminder of how focusing on all the problems and issues that I'm experiencing is really a manifestation of my perfectionism being spread too thinly. And that perfectionism becomes anxiety about all of the things that I can't yet answer and all of the things that I can't control. However simple as the fact like my retainer, I don't even know where that comes from, you know, but in that moment, you can easily get caught up and swept up into this 
everything is bad or like everything is not going as I hoped that it would. And something kind of interesting that I learned about our brain and and pain or discomfort and essentially our perception of pain, um, I want to share it with you because I think that it's quite fascinating. But we all know that our brain perceives pain signals, but it also regulates pain signals. And so this is a really cool concrete example in what we're talking about here. But what happens is that pain travels up the spinal cord and it arrives at the sensory cortex, which is the region of the brain that perceives pain. But it's not a direct route. There are essentially two different relay stations in which the pain can be regulated by the brain. And the first of those stations is lower in the back in the lumbar region. And there's a specific neuron that the signals from the brain in that place can reduce the incoming pain signals, causing fewer pain signals to reach the brain. So you can kind of think of it like if the pain signals were going upstream, the brain signals coming downstream have the ability to influence and interfere with how many and how intense the pain signals are that are going up towards the brain. And so the key here is that if you're stressed, or if you're anxious though, the signals coming from your brain can actually increase the pain signals. It's like putting wood on a fire or salt on a wound and you're intensifying it. And so there are a couple of different studies that quite literally show that people with anxiety or depression experience more pain. And that is why. So we know on a biological level that a positive outlook reduces pain and the downward spiraling kind of alternative mindset actually increases pain. So positivity and good times have momentum on a biological level. And I am definitely in the category of people who feel deeply skeptical of the positive vibes only sort of rhetoric. And I think it is also really beneficial to look at the shadows and the body's experience of pain and what fears we have and be honest with ourselves about them. But this little example, this little biological example of pain signals is a reminder of how focusing only on all the problems and issues that I'm experiencing is again this manifestation of perfectionism being spread too thinly and perfectionism being spread too widely as i'll go on to explain in more detail in my opinion becomes anxiety at least in my case and my experience and i've known for a really long time that i must focus on one grand problem and work towards it otherwise i'll just become distracted going in circles around insignificant problems but this isn't fixed by just ignoring these quote-unquote insignificant problems or ignoring my shadows, ignoring my fears or things that I'm really dealing with. So how then do we focus our energy on a grand problem while at the same time accepting that which we have to work with and not being afraid to look in the eye the darker parts of ourselves and the darker parts of our human experience, our pain, our fears, as I just mentioned? How do we choose a better problem to focus on to say it in another way. And I think that the first major key that I've found to be true is that you can train your perception to choose strength and acceptance 
And that is going to be extremely helpful in dealing with the perfectionism beast. And it feels actually very freeing to choose strength. It might sound like it's going to take extra effort, but I really believe that once you start getting in the habit of it, that it becomes freedom. It feels like freedom. And to not allow perfectionism to seep into my life so widely or become aware of at least the the moments in which I'm allowing it to seep into everything is freeing because I know that I can make a choice in that moment to determine what is an appropriate channel for my perfectionism and what is not. And it gives me even more energy to channel into the places where it will actually make a difference. And that's what I'm going to talk about here in just a moment, because I think that's the purpose behind really this whole episode is, again, how can we channel perfectionism to be a positive force in our lives? I want to give an example of just how much energy and time is wasted on trying to have everything be perfect, which is very evident when you meditate, but it is also apparent in your life when you really step back and reflect. And so I'm not going to talk about, there's dozens of examples I could give here in terms of um, perfectionism in body image, achievements, you know, you could stop right now probably and think about all the areas that you push for, for perfection in all at once in your life. And no wonder that it leads to anxiousness and an inability to start because you don't know even where to start and also an inability to be successful at all of it. And so the example that I'm actually going to give, I'm going to speak to my people with chronic anxiety and fears around things. And if that's not you, well, maybe this will help you understand somebody that you know, but I am definitely one of those folks who lives in fear and has lived in fear for a very long time. And I changed my approach about three years ago. And I have to say that while I'm not entirely free from my fears, I feel that I'm able to choose strength even in the face of them and begin at least to attack them in that manner. Maybe attack them is not a a great way to describe it. We'll say like massage them. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense to me. But I changed my approach about three years ago and I started choosing strength in the face of fear. And it's been crazy. The anxious tendencies that have been flying under the radar unnoticed for years. I'm talking moments that I catch myself holding my breath, not breathing fully or restricting my breath somehow, tensing up my body, bracing for impact and some kind of impending doom. And all of these physical and non-physical reactions that I'm having around this need to maintain some form of a perfect state or of a healthy state or of a safe state and a rejection of stepping into any sort of risk in those situations. It's almost like an attempt to hide, I might almost describe it as. And so one of the really random examples that I dealt with fear around was lighters, <laughs> not the the long lighter, but the the lighter that you use like with your thumb. And this might sound like a really dumb example, but seriously, about three years ago, I realized that I never was able to like light candles or anything with those kind of lighters because I was so afraid of burning my thumb. And yeah, so I've never been a smoker. I've never smoked, which people actually find as shocking as the fact that I've also never had fake eyelashes or fake nails. But anyways, so I had this fear around lighters and I just 
I gradually forced myself to just start using them and what did I find? Surprisingly, I did not burn my thumb as I had thought that I was going to somehow immediately burn my thumb and then I have a burn on my thumb and then I wouldn't be as productive in other areas of my life. And those are like my mental pathways to give you an insight into the kind of things that run in my brain. But I just finally, for the first time ever, two days ago, burned my thumb with the lighter. It happened. Look at that. And it wasn't even as bad as I thought that it was. It didn't cause a blister. It caused like minor discomfort. And I'm not suggesting you go and burn your thumb in the lighter, but it's just comical. Like the number of years that I would have spent afraid of using the lighter and worrying about potentially burning my thumb. It's just not at all a correct energy exchange for the risk of occurrence of the actual minor discomfort for two seconds of a a burning feeling. Does that make sense? I feel like in my life, my perfectionism has always been in direct combat with my desire to be tougher. I've always considered myself someone who wants to be tough you know like a like a surfer like a backpacker like a you know I've always rebelled against this idea that guys get to be tough and that women don't and so I was I would definitely consider myself a tomboy and everything that I did growing up playing it was like wading into the frog pond up to my waist to try to grab (laughs) to try to grab a frog and things like that and I mentioned surfers again in, in terms of toughness And I actually talked about them too because of my visit to Nazare where um, the Praia do Norci, I don't know if that's correct pronunciation, but where that the biggest wave in the world is the 100 foot wave because I think that's just like an ultimate test, test of risk and toughness that these people go through. And so that's in the devotion episode if you want to listen to that from a couple of weeks ago. But I've also been reading this book, Barbarian Days, and I love this book because it reminds me of the fact that it is my constant choice to decide how I live my life. To what degree do I take life seriously? What are my worries? And if risk is a necessary ingredient, which I do believe that risk is a necessary ingredient in life, I don't actually think that you can ever fully escape risk, even if you do everything in your power and use all of your energy to try to avoid risk but if it's this necessary ingredient how much of risk do I want to season my life with and so while I'm here in my meditation with this subconscious worry about not wearing my retainer because my teeth could potentially move um, I pick up the Barbarian Days book and I see that they're worried about something called the three-step snake and they're in Fiji surfing, I believe. And there's a particular type of snake that's called the three-step snake. It's a water snake. It's one of the most venomous snakes in the world. And supposedly, if it bites you, you make it three steps before bloop, you're done. You're done for by one snake bite. And so they're like in the water surfing amongst these things and like trying to keep their hands and fists to avoid snakes if they're paddling through parts of the water that they can't see and at night all of the snakes come up onto the shore so they sleep in hammocks and I'm just like oh my gosh this is just such a crazy risk you know 
Like that is the other extreme. And I think it's kind of beautiful and refreshing. We all have these moments and sometimes when we're traveling or maybe just listening closely to a friend who's in a reality that you do not share at all. But we all have these wake up moments and these reminders that what we're choosing to to focus on and to worry about and to try to perfect, to try to avoid, it's all up to us. It is constantly a choice. And so I'm not talking about risk here to suggest that we be reckless or do anything crazy like go surfing where there's a three a three-step snake population that's quite heavy but i am suggesting to accept that there is always risk that's another big mindset shift that helps when it comes to perfectionism the only constant is change and rejecting that fact really holds you back i said it at the beginning that perfectionism stunts your growth And so I want to answer this question, why does perfectionism spread too widely across your life actually stunt your growth? I think it's because, as my tea bag so eloquently said, without darkness, you would never know light, dash yogi tea. (laughs) But seriously, without the darkness, you would never know the light. And one of my other favorite ways to show this exact same concept in play in society and perhaps in your life is something that I've quoted from Tony Robbins before and I'll quote it again I'll probably quote it till we're on episode 1000 but good times or easy times in your life create complacency and that ultimately ends up creating weakness a lot of times and so weak people people who are expressing weakness often create hard times hard times in turn create strength within people in strong people people expressing strength create good times and so the cycle continues i think that we have to touch darkness and this is a thought i have so often it's like why is it so painful then? Like we know we have to touch the darkness. We know that we have to go through it. We have to look it in the eye. We have to experience fear. The challenge has to be greater than our skill. The weight has to eventually be too heavy to lift. Some point you're not going to be able to continue to hold the yoga pose. So why is it frustrating? Why is it painful? when we aren't able to do those things in the exact way that we think we should. And I think a lot of that comes from that last word, which is should. And so point number two is to realize what comparison does to you. And I'm not going to even tell you, like, stop comparing yourself to others because we do it all the time. Okay, let's be serious. But take an obnoxious example And use that as reference for the kind of thing that you're putting yourself through on a daily basis when you compare yourself, just for the awareness, okay? I love this current example that I've been talking about recently, which is that I found out through watching the Bill Gates documentary that he reads 14 books a week, okay? I can't even read, (laughs) sometimes I can't even read 14 pages a day. But that's become my goal because of that, right? And so I kind of love watching the Bill Gates documentary because it's just so obnoxiously successful and 
he's not by any means perfect, but it's like the dude was coding before high school and doing all these things. And it's like, yeah, you can look at that and easily say like, oh, you know what? I don't really, I don't really want to excel in all of those areas or I'm not afraid for being seen as lesser for not being good enough because I'm not like Bill Gates. But I guarantee you with people in your circle or people that you know, you feel like you compare yourself to or you should be on the same level as them, you do. You might just find that you're afraid of being seen as lesser, that you might be hiding behind perfectionism to not take action for fear of looking like a fool or using it as an excuse for why you can't do something at all. And I have a perfect example of it. This is a story that I said I wanted to share at the beginning of the episode and in high school, I had a, a best friend named Katie, and it's kind of a funny story because I have had a best friend Katie for every phase of my life, I say. I had best friend Katie in high school, I had a best friend named Katie in college, and now I have Katie who I host retreats with and I call her my forever Katie now that I've graduated school. <laughs> but this is Katie from college or from high school. And Everybody said that we looked very similar. People called us twins. The We both played basketball and we were like number 30 and 32 and the coach would get us confused and we loved it, right? We thought it was super fun. In addition to both playing basketball, we also both ran cross country. And I specifically remember because she was a year younger than I was. And for a while, I was ahead of her when we would run in our cross country races and she was steadily gaining on me, getting closer and closer, and I was pretty plateaued. And I don't remember if this was my sophomore year, maybe my junior year, but at some point, it got to the to the point where in a cross-country race, she was right on my tail at the finish line, and we're in a full-on sprint heading down towards the finish line, and I will forever remember this moment, and I accept it now and I I understand that you know I wasn't really thinking clearly in the moment but still these kind of knee-jerk reactions that your body have tell a lot about what's going on in the subconscious level and so as we're approaching the the finish line she goes to what feels like me past me maybe within like a step or so of the finish line and I put out my arm and I put out my arm to block her from passing me and it's honestly horrifying. I know it might sound like such a stupid example to you as a listener, but just like somebody that you care for so much, right? And that you spend every living moment with and have that much fear to do something like that, which ultimately just makes me look like more of a fool, right? But in the moment, I was so afraid to lose once that I didn't understand that there's a new power that's born from losing. And I was so afraid of of tasting that failure in a sense that I was worried I would never like bounce back. And honestly, in a sense, uh, she she did beat me and I kind of ended up giving up or like submitting to weakness or just not caring anymore once she beat me which was not at all a, a beneficial uh, attitude to have and of course there were a lot of other var- variables here like did I truly love the sport but regardless this could have been a moment where I felt joy in her progress or 
felt gratitude to have someone near me do so well because I think now what I understand is that when you appreciate things in others that they're doing really well it's a really good sign for yourself and especially if those people are close to you that's a really good sign and so I think that's the third major key on starting to redirect the perfectionism beast is notice those moments where progress and progress is the key right here like progress I feel like can immediately cancel out a need for perfectionism and it's not always possible to see progress but when it is able to when you are able to see progress notice those moments of progress that put an uncontrollable smile on your face and even if it's like in a moment of intense comparison and you can't find anything to actually feel that joy about just like let's do the mental practice of thinking about other things that would put a uncontrollable smile on your face like a baby's first steps um a tiny sea turtle making it into the ocean and swimming clumsily through the ocean current a sparkle of laughter in someone's eyes after a period of sadness and for me, I had one of these moments recently in the yoga room where it just reminds me like I'm in the right place now and I have such a different state of mind and it made me feel proud of myself because I um, was doing my own practice and I kind of was aware of another woman beginning to play around on the handstand canes and I love to play on the handstand canes. I am a handstand freak. I can rarely go a day without doing a handstand and at the same time I love it because it's not anything that I feel competitive about. Like I I love to see the progress of other people and I don't know if I would have had that maturity back in high school, but also yoga not being a competitive sport <laughs> helps with that fact, of course. But I um, I saw her over there playing around on the handstand canes and she was trying to jump up on her own, trying to jump up on her own. Teacher was helping her and then suddenly she got it and I heard this big, oh, wow, like, oh, wow, like I can do that or like that feels like this or and it just put this big old smile on my face because I could feel the joy and I was so happy for her in that progress that um, it just kind of like took over my body. And so while we can talk about this all right now in a state of mind where maybe you're relaxed, you're listening to a podcast, you're driving somewhere, you're cooking, whatever it is, but when you're in those moments where you're caught up in the claws of the perfectionism beast and you're like, why can't I ever make any progress on my handstands or like why could I do it a month ago and now I can't or why am I not good enough why am I not as naturally funny as naturally beautiful all of these things and you're in the comparison and you you feel like everything is going wrong it's really hard to even remember the things that we know is fact so like bringing you back to what we discussed about that feedback loop on pain in the brain and the the brain's ability to regulate pain if you're if you're in a more positive mindset it's so hard when you're in the difficult state not to literally just laugh at and make fun of affirmations like your mind can heal your body or a positive outlook brings good luck and even though we know it's true and biologically we know that it's uh it's positivity 
rather than an anxious state that lessens the intensity of our experience, it's a lot to ask in that moment. And so my fourth and final biggest piece of advice is that it's okay to be concerned. It's okay to seek perfection. And what you do want to do is choose what you want to channel it towards. And most importantly, to find that there is perfection in progress itself. There is perfection that can be found in progress itself. There really can be. And I think that's going to help you feel like you have a little bit more control over the perfectionism urge when it comes up. Something that I really liked at the retreat in Rio Chiripo that one of the attendees shared was this idea of a 85% effort on a project is the most sustainable amount of effort. If you're doing more than 85%, there's a risk of burnout, there's a risk of injury, of arriving to a state of exhaustion in which you are more likely to make an error or not see as clearly. And so while you can have this idea of 85% effort, let's say that's going to bring you progress, you can have 100% commitment to putting in that effort. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm asking that a lot this episode, but it's kind of a weird concept to think about. It's like you can have 100% commitment to putting in that 85% effort. So maybe the perfectionism is showing up daily and not giving up on the dream, even if you feel like you don't have the energy that you'd like to devote to it, or if it doesn't turn out how you want it to right away, and you're still 100% committed to the showing up, to the putting in the effort. You might also ask yourself, what is behind the perfectionism? What is it that I'm really needing? And once you discover what it is that you are needing, you might be able to put into words a sense of purpose that you have. And from there, choosing to direct your energy of perfectionism, allow yourself to be absolutely concerned and worried and focused on grand, big, important problems that drive you forward, that drive humanity forward, that drive your family circle, your your daily life forward in a direction that ultimately means change, but also can feel good right now. I think that if we can give ourselves the permission to channel our perfectionism towards something that really makes sense, that's our choice, it's not something that society is telling us that we must channel it towards, it's not something that we're being guilt-tripped into changing about ourselves and perfecting quote-unquote about ourselves but really something that we feel pulled to create greatness around to give our all to to be the best that we can be to reach our limits and surprise ourselves with how much we can do that is a really powerful expression of perfectionism and man i'm glad that we have the ability as humans to be perfectionists when it comes to things like that. I'm going to leave it there. And if you made it to the end of the episode, today's emoji, go ahead and send me the emoji of a bucket. And I chose a bucket because it's like the idea of gathering up all that perfectionism that you have spread around everywhere in your life, bringing it back and choosing to dump it and pour it onto 
the area that you want to water within your life truly and giving it back, giving it back to the earth in a way that is beneficial not only for you, but all of those around you. Sending you a huge virtual hug and I'll see you in the next episode. Ciao, ciao.